Hey guys, Dan Howard here at Gunnison St. Joe's with the all-new GSTJ video podcast. On today's show, I have a chat with two of our awesome behavioral health providers as part of Suicide Prevention Month. We take a look inside the Mamo bus, plus we have some updates on the changes to our campus. Hey, welcome back. Joining me via a quick socially distanced Skype chat are two of our awesome behavioral health providers, Jen Fiegel Newland and Alyssa Sherwood. Guys, how are you doing? Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Uh, so this is our first podcast show ever. Um, and I couldn't think of a better way to start this off in 2020 than a discussion on mental health, because this year has been, quite frankly, brutal. Um, and I know we're not going to know the full extent of this probably for some time, but um, what are we seeing out there from a mental health point of view? Well, we know that mental health impacts one in four people on any given day, and that was prior to COVID starting. With COVID and all of the changes that have happened with COVID, the stress of COVID, there really is truly a mental health crisis now, and we've seen upwards of a 60% increase in mental illness, particularly depression and anxiety. They're not able to have the same social connections that they did in the past, and so this really is impacting their ability to be together and get the care that they need. So no doubt there's people watching right now, they're watching this video right now, and they've experienced some feelings of anxiety and concern this year. Uh, what are the signs that people should be looking for and, you know, what point should people be thinking, okay, you know, these feelings are not my usual self, like, uh, you know, maybe I should go and speak to someone. I would say, look at your day-to-day -day routines and how have they changed. People who are struggling with depression and anxiety usually will not be able to keep up with their same day-to-day -day routine. They may not be showering, they may not be eating regularly, or they may be eating differently, possibly eating more or eating less. Their sleep is impacted where, again, they may be sleeping more or sleeping less. <clears throat> They're not able to care for their children or their loved ones. This may be not planting a garden or not maintaining a yard, not keeping up with household projects, or especially as we start transitioning into the fall and holiday season, really just not being engaged in putting up the Christmas tree or decorating for the holidays or doing those kind of things. That's where we should be concerned. And those symptoms don't have to be long-lived. This can be as short as just two weeks in time for it to be significant from a mental health perspective. Alyssa, do you have any tips and tricks? Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to keeping track of your feelings or emotions, you can get as basic or detailed as you'd like. Uh, most mental health professionals agree that there are six basic primary emotions, like your happy, sad, angry. Um, so someone who wants to keep it simple might do like a general log, keep a general log of their emotions, um, like drawing a happier, sad face on a calendar or in your planner. Um, but we all know that we express way more than six basic emotions in a single day. So we're talking about your jealousy, irritation, embarrassed, right? So keeping a mood journal in a notebook uh, could be beneficial. Um, you could document the emotion you felt, uh, when you felt it, what caused it, what types of behaviors happened as a result of it, and 
what the benefits or consequences were of those behaviors. Um, so hopefully through a mood journal, you start recognizing either healthy or unhealthy behavioral patterns and then change those behaviors if you need it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've had my own brushes with permanent health in the past, and it's something that I'm totally okay with talking about. Um, because after going through it, I've, I've realized the importance of talking about it. And I think um, one really useful thing that I found is my wife. And she's going to be <laughs> she's going to be watching this thinking that's really weird. Is it <laughs> useful? Is that how you put me? But um, she's very good at pointing out um, like when I'm not feeling myself or when I'm not behaving myself and behaving myself um, and definitely kind of like checking in. Um, what tips do you have for like folks um, out there to be a good support person for other people? So it's really just looking and managing your signs and symptoms. So those symptoms could be acute, meaning they only last a few days and then disappear after the stressor or the situation is over, or symptoms could be chronic, meaning they last a long time and never fully go away, even after the stressor or situation is over. Um, So it's common to get a little anxious or depressed during major life events, like giving a presentation. (laughs) I was nervous about this. Um, Buying a home, which I'm currently doing, uh, getting married or experiencing a death in the family. Um, Those symptoms might be, you know, losing some sleep, like Jen said, or oversleeping, overeating or not eating enough. So usually those symptoms after those big events will go away um, after the event is over, but sometimes they don't. Um, So I think that that's mainly what you're touching on. Um, So sometimes they stay persistent for weeks or even get worse. Um, Maybe having difficulty falling asleep a couple times a week turns into getting only a few hours of sleep a night. Or maybe not feeling hungry for lunch turns into not feeling hungry ever, Mm -hmm. um, resulting in significant weight loss. Or the opposite could happen. Um, Maybe you've gained 20 pounds in a month, which is a big concern right now for the COVID-15 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be a concern. Other symptoms to monitor would be Excessive worrying, problems concentrating, avoiding social situations or alone time, changes in your sex drive or overuse of substances like drugs or alcohol. And it is really important to point out that people have been using drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism right now. And I think that the culture that we live in really normalizes the use of alcohol, but When it becomes a necessity every single day, that's when it transitions into something that needs to be addressed. The other part I'd want to say is, really, we just need to check in with people. It's not uncommon to have conversations about, you know, how things are going, how a loved one is feeling, um, how someone's garden is growing. Like, we have these normal day-to-day conversations, but at the same time, when we ask someone how they're doing, it's perfectly normal for most people to say, oh, yeah, I'm fine, I'm okay, without really then touching on how they're truly feeling. 
And so having those discussions where we actually talk about how we're feeling so that we can share our emotional state. And it doesn't have to be a therapy session. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. It could be, you know, I'm having a really rough day. I'm feeling really anxious about what's going on in the world. And then having someone validate that helps. It helps us feel connected to each other, even if we're not able to see each other right now. So just making those conversations normal is really what has to happen. So once someone has determined that um, they should probably go see someone, how it's a very difficult conversation anyway, but how does someone start that conversation and, and start the journey to getting help? Definitely a good question. There's a lot of different routes to take, and I will say working as a mental health prescriber, most people have seen their primary care provider. And so Quite honestly, upwards of 2 million visits per year nationwide are related to mental health with primary care. So having that discussion and that visit is very important. We live in a very small town area where most of us know our primary care providers, sometimes quite personally, um, where we may even consider them to be a friend. And so sometimes it's hard to have that discussion about feeling down, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, because there is this expectation of, well, everything's okay and we're trying to get through all of this. But this is where I would encourage you to overcome those feelings and really talk about what your emotional state is at that time. Share the fact that you're feeling down or depressed or withdrawn or that things have changed because your primary care provider is there to help you. If care is beyond what a primary care provider can provide, then a referral to behavioral health occurs and you would have the wonderful opportunity to meet with either myself or Alyssa so that we can help you with a more detailed plan, a therapy plan, possibly different medications, and work with you for those options to make sure that there is safety and functionality and recovery. So like we said earlier, this um, pandemic has been tough. Uh, the group I worry about the most is the impact that this has had on the well-being of kids. Um, I know my kids haven't been to the grocery store in like six months. They haven't been picking out toys. The school's closed early. Um, some are trying to figure out how to learn virtually with mom and dad um, or an extended family member. Um, and the kids that have gone back to school have got all these new protocols in place. What tips do you have for parents to help them recognize the signs that their child might be struggling? So basically, you want to look for anything that isn't normal for your kiddo. Um, most kids don't have a good emotional vocabulary to vocalize their feelings about change. So their feelings often come out in their behaviors. Um, maybe your child was a B average student and suddenly they're getting Ds. Uh, that would be a warning sign. Uh, maybe your child suddenly doesn't want to go to school but has never had an issue with that in the past. Or maybe they suddenly don't want to go to bed or eat supper. Um, those would be warning signs. Other warning signs are behaviors like hyperactivity, um, nightmares, aggression, temper tantrums. Like Jen's kind of been touching on, we have to be able and willing to talk openly and honestly about what's going on. So after an emotional outburst by a child, a parent could say, wow, I'm really sorry you got so angry. I'm really glad you're calm now. Tell me about what's going on. Um, or I noticed you've been not wanting to go to bed. Tell me what's going on and maybe we can work on a solution together. 
Um, so watching kids go through change is really hard because parents have this impossible job and think that it's their job to protect their kids from pain. And it is to a certain extent, but it's also not. A parent's job is to support their kid through change. So the child has an opportunity to learn and grow. Well, and the hard part is also that a lot of the parents are probably feeling a lot of those same emotions and trying to navigate them themselves. And so how does that all fit in taking care of themselves from a self-care perspective, but then also taking care of their kids at the same time? And so I feel like there's also a lot of guilt that's underlying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of kids, I know St. Joe's does have a school-based mental health program. How does it work and why is it so important? So in my completely biased opinion, this is the coolest program in the state. (laughs) Uh, This program opens the door for so many students who benefit from mental health therapy, but maybe can't access it due to either transportation or insurance issues. Um, And as a result, I can work with any student free of charge for the student or the parents or guardians, as long as parents or guardians sign a simple informed consent. Uh, I meet with students grades kindergarten through 12. Uh, So I could be on the ground playing with a dollhouse one for 45 minutes and then talking about the stressors of going off to college next year. Um, And I do that with each student about anywhere from one to four times a month. I try to check in with students at least once a month um, right in the school. I'm currently in three different schools, four days out of the week. Uh, We do everything you would see in a traditional therapy setting. We work on goals, we work on behaviors, we discuss stressors and heavy topics. But most importantly, we have a lot of fun. Um, I love this job, it's super cool. Uh, There are a lot of changes and transitions kids go through from the time they're five years old to 18. And some kids need someone other than the people they live with to talk through those transitions, someone who's just neutral. Um, The program is also super convenient. Um, Parents and guardians have really busy lives and can't get their kids to a clinic for traditional therapy all the time. So... Um, it's a benefit that way for parents. They don't have to worry about that transportation piece. Um, But then also kids feel a little bit more relaxed meeting with me in their school. Um, You know how when you walk into a clinic and you're all nervous because like two weeks ago. You don't want a shot. (laughs) Yeah, like, well, and like two weeks ago you ate like a whole sleeve of Oreos and And you're like, oh, no, they're going to know that I did that. And then, like, your blood pressure goes up. That doesn't happen in my office um, because I'm on their turf. So they hold a little bit more of that power, um, which I think kind of makes for a better working relationship. Mm -hmm. You had me your Oreos. (laughs) I know. I'm really hungry. (laughs) Uh, so, guys, thanks so much for joining us on the very first Gunderson St. Joe's podcast. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back after this break. At Gunderson, we're committed to providing safe ways to connect you to the health care you need. Whether it's by your side or through virtual options, we're here for you when you need us. 
Gunderson Health System. We're bringing love plus medicine to you. Hey everyone, welcome back. Now, earlier this year, St. Joe's announced that it was one of the affiliates to receive the mobile 3D mammography coach from Gunderson Health System. And uh, with Breast Cancer Awareness Month just around the corner, I thought we'd take a look inside and see what it's all about. Take a look at this. Twice a month, Gunnison St. Joseph's is home to the 3D mammography coach from Gunnison Health System. This mobile imaging unit is so nice inside, you'd forget you were on a motorhome. The coach is fitted with comfortable seating, a backup generator, changing room, and a sound system that plays soothing music, creating a beautiful and gentle environment for patients. The main part of the coach is the imaging suite, which hosts a Selenia Dimensions 3D mammography system, which creates exceptionally sharp images and has an ergonomic design for improved patient comfort. 3D mammography helps evaluate breast tissue layer by layer, making fine details more visible. Although studies have shown all patients may benefit from 3D mammography compared to standard mammography, patients with denser breast tissue will benefit more. To make an appointment for 3D mammography in Hillsborough, call 608-489-8230. Our next dates in Hillsborough are October 6th and 13th, and November 3rd and 17th. We'll be back with an update on our campus changes right after this. At Gunderson, we're proud to be your hometown healthcare provider, and we're connecting you to the care you need when you need it, no matter what. Gunderson Health System, we're bringing love plus medicine to you. Hey, welcome back. Uh, now, if you haven't heard, we've uh, moved. Uh, we moved our hospital back in June of 2020. However, the story wasn't over. We still needed to knock down the old building to make way for a parking lot. Crews have almost completed the demolition, and as mentioned last week, we've had to close the main entrance to our facility while they did that. So if you're coming to see us, our employee entrance is now the main entrance for all hospital and clinic patients. As always, our staff are at the door to help you get inside and help you get to where you need to go. Our emergency room entrance is not affected by this change and is still the entrance that emergency and urgent care patients should present to. The main entrance will be closed until around the end of October when our new parking lot will be poured and the project will be complete. So exciting times are ahead. Thanks very much for joining me today on the very first Gunderson St. Joe's video podcast. Until next time, take care.